Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Jade Oaks, Jeff Walling, John Carroll, Corey West, Matt Hill, all of our Patreon supporters, and you, I'm talking to you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Adventure Jogger. I want to remind you again, real quick, to join us for the Grind on the Grid Backyard Ultra, April 15th, Vetersburg, Indiana. It is on Ultra Sign Up. If you've never done the backyard format before, four point miles every hour on the hour until there's only one person left standing. There still are some slots available. The Grind on the Grid Backyard Ultra, April 15th, 15th, easy to say, right? April 15th in Petersburg, Indiana. We hope that you can join us. And yes, Jeff will be there. The guest on this episode of The Adventure Jogger, you are in for a treat. 73 years old, David Tosh. And he's still running. By the way, he signed up for Cruel Jewel this year. It's a race he's finished just a couple of years ago. But David Tosh is not only a runner and an ultra runner, he is also a race director. So many great stories shared over the next hour. Such a great insight into why we do what we do. Uh, The beauty of the finish line. So many great stories from an ultra running legend. David Tosh. Um, You will hear his wife, Mary Jo, correct him from time to time with a couple of facts and remind him to say certain things. It was probably uh, one of the most fun uh, interviews I've had in a very long time. Get ready to enjoy the heck out of David Tosh with his wife, Mary Jo, in the background. David, I noticed when I reached out to you a, a week ago asking you to be on the podcast that I yes. had, I had reached out to you like five years ago to be on the podcast, but our signals never crossed and we, we, we couldn't make that happen. So this is an interview that's like five years in the making, David. Yes. Well, I, and I, when I went to answer your, your message, it pulled up those past messages and I remember going through all that, and, and like you said, somehow we never got 
we, I, uh, it's amazing putting how busy putting on seven or eight races a year keeps you. <laughs> <laughs> but, I can imagine. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, you're retired from your regular grown up job, but you you run all those races. You're a race director, the Southeastern Trail Run series. Um, you've got races like Blood Rock series and Lake Martin. I mean, you've got a lot of work to do. And plus, on top of that, your ultra sign up. <laughs> Is, is is pretty packed as well. So you are a very busy guy, David. <laughs> well, uh, actually, we started with Ultra Sign Up with Mark when there weren't very many. I mean, it was new. It wasn't totally. He, had, he was already in process. But, uh, you know, he knew everybody personally because there were so few of us <laughs> that were actually using Ultra Sign Up. <laughs> Well, it was, and it was just stuck yeah. with him ever since. I've actually met Mark a couple of times, and uh, it was, it's kind of fun. It's weird because Ultra Sign Up, and, and we won't focus on Ultra Sign Up because, well, this is a story about you know David Tosh. So, um, but it's, it's funny because I met Mark Gilligan years and years and years ago at Western States, not knowing he was the guy who ran Ultra Sign Up, and I had a chance to talk to him and all that stuff and how. That uh-huh. all came out of his regular day job. Like he was, he was bored and is like, you know, there needs to be a place where all of these races can, you know, just have their sign up in one place. And mm-hmm. he took his little, his little idea where he was bored at work one day and turned it into something that he was able to sell and he never has to work a day again in his life. Right. And it's just, well, he was, I mean, I know it had to be. I cannot imagine what he was going through doing that basically by himself. Mm-hmm. You know, we finally had one of the person that came on, but that's, I don't know much about computer programming and development and all that. I was a computer science minor when I was in college, but I don't even want to talk about how many years ago that was. I mean, <laughs> there, there was no such thing as a, PC. I'll put it that way. Right. <laughs> Computers were big things in rooms off, you know, with with thousands of miles of wires. Right. <laughs> but uh, to, to put together what he did as and it being as efficient and effective and as good and being an ultra runner is like being a race director. You know, if, you're, if you don't run ultras, you're not going to be a, do a very good job putting on ultra races oh that's the truth yeah i think if you're not same thing he knew what was needed and just did a great job i think lifetime fitness proved when they took over leadville that you really need to have ultra runners involved if you're going to take on an ultra race or else bad things will happen you're running out of water Mm -hmm. is what happens when you when you don't know what you're doing but enough about all of that david yeah you are a man that's that's true yeah you're a man who's been in the sport for a while this is not your first rodeo your ultra sign up stats are are, go back quite a bit uh to the beginning of that page david here you are in your 70s still race directing you're not supposed to tell anybody that well (laughs) (laughs) maybe you're in your 70s i don't know (laughs) that's just according to facebook mark zuckerberg might be lying here i have no idea Um, but but here you are you're you're still race directing you're still running, yeah. but I think we need to go back to the start. David Tosh, when when did you decide running was something you wanted to do for a massive chunk of your life? Well, I was a miler in high school. 
and not particularly good. I weighed 170 pounds. It never occurred to me there was no such thing as a world-class 170-pound miler. I mean, nobody <laughs> knew anything. I graduated from high school in 68. Yeah. And I never could figure out why all these guys that probably weighed about 100 pounds ran off and left me that last lap. <laughs> and so anyway, but I, I just kept, I always enjoyed running. I kept running. Uh, I have no idea why. I just did. And then in the 80s, after I graduated from college, which I don't even want to talk about how long that took, <laughs> but um, shall we say I graduated from high school in 68 and college in 78. <laughs> but <laughs> You got your money's uh, worth, David. You got your money's yeah, worth. But, but, yeah, but I kept running and I was also, I lived in Dallas and I loved ice skating and I started playing some amateur hockey, which is a, certainly a workout. And then after I graduated, I moved to Mobile and became involved. It's where I ran my actual, my first road race was the Isaiah Trail Run. Yeah. And I thought road races were for people, elite. I mean, college, world-class runners. I didn't know normal people ran them. <laughs> and I, I had two neighbors running the Isaiah Trail Run, and one of them was built like a bear. Uh, his name was Andy. And mm. I mean, he was huge. And I thought, if he can run the Isaiah Trail Run, I can run the Isaiah <laughs> And so I went out and ran it and stayed involved in the Port City Pacers and finally got on the, uh, I was a member of the race committee. Uh, at that time, a guy named Charlie Christmas ran the Isaiah Trail Run and having a committee was just, I don't know what he had us for. He did everything. <laughs> I mean, literally, he did a great job, built that run into a huge, we had like 10,000 runners. Wow. And um, anyway, we brought Bill Rogers in, who at that point was the number one runner in the world in, in marathons and even in 10Ks. He was right up there at the top. And so I met him and man, a couple of other guys took him out to run the course. He had actually run it the year before, before I got involved. And I was like, he's tiny. You know, you see a picture of somebody like that in the magazines, they look like me. Right. You know, 170 pounds. He probably weighed 110 pounds and was about as thick as a, a pencil. And I thought, that's why those little guys used to run <laughs> off and leave me like that. <laughs> but I just kept running. And I think the thing that I've told people before made the biggest difference in the reason I'm still running, my first marathon ever was the first annual Barks Root Beer Miracle Strip Marathon or something like that in Panama City. The course wasn't even certified. And uh, we went to run it. And after I had finished, I'd come over with three or four guys from Mobile. And I was waiting on them to quit throwing up. <laughs> so we could ride back to Mobile. And I heard all this cheering over at the finish line. And I went over to, to see what was going on. And they announced whoever the guy was, a 74-year-old man finishing a marathon in just over four hours. Wow. And I was just, I was dumbfounded. I had no idea a 74-year-old male, female, anybody could run 100 yards, much less a marathon. And at that point, and to this day, I remember it clearly. I said, when I'm that old, I'm going to be doing that. Well, I've got one more year to go. <laughs> so, and, and that's really what 
I think I, I, I never forgot that. And, uh, but also I always enjoyed running. And after moving to Birmingham in 97, I moved from Montgomery, uh, which is pretty flat. Birmingham, which has some pretty nice hills. It's where we have our blood rock race. Yeah. And I'm sitting here looking out the window at Oak Mountain State Park and uh, the mountain that runs through the middle of it right here. And so I started running out there a lot and really enjoyed running the trails. Uh, Mary Jo and I, my wife, and I, since since we met, had been, I've skied all my life. I, I told her, now you've got to learn the skiing stuff. You'll love it. And so we started skiing and we started going to Telluride, um, well, several places, but Telluride specifically. And they have a run mm-hmm. that goes from your race to Telluride called the Imogene Pass Run. Yeah. And starts in your ray at 7,500 feet, goes over 13,100 feet Imogene Pass down into Telluride. And so we decided to go out there and run that race. And that was it. I'm like, forget the roads. I'm running these things. It is just, it was so spectacular. Uh, I've always loved the mountains anyway. And uh, just to run, to run trails and be up on the mountains is just, that's just inspiring. And it just, it kind of keeps me going. I, uh, you know, do my training runs literally one mile from my house every day. I mean, every week. (laughs) That's amazing. Can we go back just for one minute? Because I thought it was funny that you remember the the entire name of your first marathon. And the only thing that's funny about that is it's the Barks Root Beer Marathon. That was that was during the big running boom, the jogging boom, really, wasn't it? Where people were starting to get out and actually run more. It wasn't this fringe thing that the crazy neighbor did. More and more people were getting into jogging at that point. Yeah, it, that was... I don't know what I think what started a lot of this that I remember for me anyway was when Frank Shorter won the Munich Marathon. Yeah. And I remember what I sat there on TV at the TV watching him and thinking Americans don't win marathons. The Swedes (laughs) and the Austrians are not Austrians, but uh, all those people win those stupid races. And uh, that seemed to start. After that, I started seeing people out running. I ran at White Rock Lake, which mm-hmm. is the namesake of the Dallas White Rock Marathon. And I started, I, it went from seeing two or three people running to 20 or 30 to 50 or 60 running over the next two or three years. And I don't know if that's what really started that first boom that was still going on when I was at the Zaya Trail Run, but something sure kicked it off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, instantly enough, too, you talked about running that race in Uray and really being in love with the trails. This is long before the trail running boom. Trail running is a fringe sport when you step yes. on to the— because I'm sure there wasn't a lottery 
for that race out in Colorado. I'm sure you didn't have to beg, borrow, and steal and run all this stuff just to have a chance to get into it. I'm sure it was a paper ballot. Which one? I'm a James. Uh, actually, they don't do a lottery. You just have to be ready to put your name in in the first five or ten minutes. Okay. Is that, is that, race, is that race still that, going on? That's oh, yeah. it. Still going on. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely still going on. It actually was started uh, by a guy named Rick Trujillo yeah. that I've done used to go do trail work with when I was trying to get in Hard Rock. Mm-hmm. He was the the guy that was over the trail work uh and he it that was his training run for pikes peak which he won five times wow <laughs> and uh it was his always fun he was a mining engineer i'd always loved the mining history of that of colorado in the first place mm-hmm. and just going out there and you're going down the trail and there's a little piece of iron over here so that's such and such from whatever mine you know, it rent work from such, you know, give, give you the dates. He'd tell you how much gold it produced. He, he, he was a mining engineer. His father was a miner. Uh, you know, he's just, that's his life. And it, it's just it made it fascinating to go up, but he started that as his training run. And there's every now and then, if you look up the Imogene pass run, you can go in and find some pictures of that fur of the first couple of years they did it. And there was like, 10 or 12 people lined up on the street in your race, starting the race. How many people ran it the, the first year that you ran it? What? How many people ran it the first year that you ran it? Oh, it's, it's full. I mean, it's like 1,500 or something like that, isn't it? I, no yeah. idea. Ma- Mary Jo and I ran it, but it was, it's, it's, you always had to register in the first few minutes. What it was, we stayed yeah. at a bed and breakfast there. Um, when we had skiing, got to know the owner who had run. He actually was first master and I think third overall one year. He, he'd been a college miler and or cross country, whichever it was. And he told us about the race. And so we came back out, uh, you know, knowing about it. So I knew that you had to register, I mean, immediately when it opened, even back, that was 2006. It yeah. was already, a, you know, but it's 17 miles. Right. So it, it brings up a lot of people. It's not really, it's not truly a trail race. It's up mining roads all the way over the pass, except for one short stretch of going through a scree field on single track. So it's, that's really not a, not a true trail race, but it's still one of my favorite races I've ever done because going over the top of that pass is so spectacular. Oh, I can imagine. San Juan's. I, you know, it's funny because so much, it, trail trail running and ultra running have become such a intertwined mix that I think sometimes people don't know that there's a separate world out there. You've got races like the one mm-hmm. you're just talking about. It's not an ultra race, but it's a mountain race, and it you know it's it's mining roads and that sort of thing. We can argue whether or not it's a trail. But there's a whole other world out there. There is trail running that's not ultra running that I think people forget sometimes. Yeah, it, well, it just I mean, you know, probably the best known is the Pikes Peak Marathon. It's it's a marathon. It's not an ultra. So, uh, I mean, that's that's I, that has to be one of the best known trail races on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in Europe, uh, UTMB may be better known. I don't I don't know, but uh, you know that one goes back. I remember actually went out with my kids in maybe nineteen. 
the eighties yeah. and ran and I, I ran up part of the bar trail while they were down at the bottom playing in the swimming pool at the hotel we were in. Uh, and I thought, how does anybody run to the top of a mountain? You know? <laughs> Little did so you know. Up, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you remember? And I, I, I'm asking that this is, of course you remember, you remember everything. Um, your first ultra marathon. What was it, David? It was the dizzy fifties up in Huntsville on Monsanto. Um, it's a part of the little, it's part of the mountain mist course, but mm-hmm. it's a small part. You, you did multiple laps. Uh, I don't remember how long they were, but like eight or 10, a, a seven or eight mile lap and a four or five mile lap. I don't remember. Anyway, they had 50 K and a 50 mile. Uh, I think that was, that was all they had. And so I did the 50 K and that was first, uh, tra- trucks real ultra the first ultra i'd ever run i'd run a lot of marathons over the years but that was the first I, in fact i could not when i first started running at oak mountain i knew there was an oak mountain 50k because mm-hmm. it's been going on a long time but i couldn't comprehend i was like i'm dead at the end of 26 miles i couldn't possibly get to 32 and somehow it never registered. You slow down. Right. But, you know, that didn't, that wasn't, that wasn't in my vocabulary, I guess, at that time. <laughs> what was it about that first ultra, David, that made you kind of want to leave the regular marathon world behind? And, and, and well, go... for one thing, I never really enjoyed marathons and still don't. I, I ran Mercedes this year just mainly because it was the last one. I just, they're just kind of miserable. You know, it's just, I'd much rather go run a, run a ultra somewhere, but, um, what I actually, I, I'm not sure exact about the timing in this, but I had decided I wanted to do the level 100 because going out to Colorado, doing the Imogene pass run several times, Mary Jo ran it with me a couple of times and, so I began to hear about the level 100 and I thought, ah, I'd like to do that. And I thought, well, how do you do a hundred miles? I had no idea. So I decided, well, okay, I'm going to go do that ultra. And then I did the, uh, I think I did Oak mountain was my second one. And so I thought I needed to learn, I needed to do a hundred. So I started kind of looking for a, a hundred and then I found out about a race called the Katsina Musa that the, the, what is it? Squaw Peaks 50 mile, the same John Bozak, I think it's the guy's name that does it. Anyway, he does a hundred K out in Utah called the Katsina Musa. I think he still may do that. And so I went out to run that and ran out of water, got totally dehydrated at 30 something miles and had to drop. But, you know, it taught me a little about what I was getting into and I came home and that was the first year Todd Henderson was doing the Penhody 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I signed up for that. I thought, well, that's right here. You know, if I totally blow it, I'm not, not far away. <laughs> right. And so that was my first hundred, but the whole purpose in all that was because I wanted to run Leadville. And yeah. I went out and ran Leadville the next year. And that was still when, uh, uh, Ken Clobber was doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I went out to the training camp 
and which was kind of fun. You know, you got to know him and uh, then came back, went out and ran it and almost blew that, but managed to struggle to the end. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, and after that, there was no going back. I mean, it's like, this is what I'm going to keep doing as long as I'm physically able to crawl to the end. And uh, I, I'm at a point I can't, I don't think I can do any more of the 30 hour hundreds. I just can't keep myself going that fast. Yeah. But runs like Cruel Jewel. I'm, I'm a pretty strong climber. And, uh, you know, those kind of races I, I seem to be able to keep, I keep hoping I'll get in hard rock again. But if I find that I'm, I'm like, I think 38th on the wait list of never finished people, <laughs> which, <laughs> which means there's about one chance in 10,000 of getting in this year. <laughs> well, you know, miracles can happen every day, David. And what I think is really impressive is you, you run Pinhoti that first, your first 100 is Pinhoti 2008. You finish Pinhoti in 29 hours and one minute. Which is which is <laughs> respectable, right? Very respectable. Pinhoti's not an easy course. It's a beautiful course. Um, if if you live anywhere, well, you know what? I'll even say not even if you just live in the South. Pinhoti's a race that everybody needs to do. Pinhoti is a wonderful, wonderful 100 mile race. Well supported. You've got aid stations galore. Perfectly marked. Beautiful course. Point to point. Can't say enough good things about Pinhoti. Uh, but then you go and run Leadville. And Leadville's an entirely different animal because you're going up and down Hope Pass twice and you finish only 30 minutes slower at Leadville than you did at Pinhoti. That's impressive. Well, but you know, really, Leadville's got a lot of flat stuff. You know, you've got, you've got several stretches like around the, what is the outward bound section yeah. where you're on roads, uh, you know, the, the first climb over uh, Sugarloaf, I think it's called, it, it's power line on the other way. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a gentle, a very gentle climb and not too, not, I don't know what it is, maybe 2,000 feet, something like that. Then you drop that down, you got a long flat stretch. Then you go up on the Colorado Trail, uh, which, isn't, you know, again, it's not too bad. It's like running the mountains down, like Cruel Jewel Hills. And then you do a go over Hope Pass. But my trouble was we were staying in Twin Lakes and I was ahead of schedule, way ahead of schedule and excited and felt great. I hurried through and didn't drink anything. <laughs> I didn't top off my water bottles. And I started out across that meadow and I thought, I don't have enough water. Oh. And I thought, I need to go back. I didn't. I kept going and I was, I ran out of water, even rationing two-thirds of the way up to the aid station on below Hope, Hope Pass, Hopeless Aid Station, I think they call it. And uh, I had to walk all the way over the mountain, all the way to Winfield, all the way back to the top. But when we got to Winfield, Mary Jo made me sit there and rest and eat and drink. And even though I still had to walk all the way back down the hill to go up, back up to Hope, that gave me enough time to recover that I felt pretty good the rest of the race. You know, it wasn't great, but I was able to stay ahead of cutoffs and, you know, fairly comfortable. But it, to me, I don't think Leadville is any harder than Pinhoti. 
Really? So the altitude, the altitude didn't bother you because I know the altitude bothers some people. Yeah, I love it. I love that. I, like I said, I've skied all my life. The out, you know, certainly you breathe harder and you can't go as fast, but uh, you know, it's just it's it doesn't it doesn't bother me like it does some people. I've never had altitude sickness or anything like that. You you know you didn't. It doesn't sound like you had a moment when you ran that first Leadville when you were like. Oh wow! I'm just a guy from Alabama. What am I doing in these tall mountains? <laughs> well, I actually started on the way back. Uh, the guy that was the comptroller for Coleman Company—they were a sponsor that year for the, the make Coleman lanterns and Coleman yeah. stoves and all that. Uh, I, and he had his his pacer was actually his uh, coach. And so he had all the times down and I was running back with them and I was worried about cutoff. He said, and he kept saying, Oh no, we're going to hit. He t- could tell me exactly when we were going to arrive. And so I just stayed with them all the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, uh, but I was, pan- I was beginning to panic because I was afraid I wasn't, you know, after all that, I, I the idea of, dropping at the last you know getting kicked out at the last aid station was <laughs> terrifying right you know it's funny too looking at your ultra sign up results you would go back to Pinhoti years later and you would get faster you would run that course nearly a half hour faster like eight years later so you're picking up some speed i know you're saying you're slowing down david but you're picking up some speed <laughs> well that that was then, not now. <laughs> and uh, you know, so somehow about sixty eight, things start to change. Sixty nine, I don't, you know, I don't know what it is, but uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm still strong going uphill. I, I did a ten hour and forty five minute training run with almost eight thousand feet of elevation gain two days ago, but in all that time, I did twenty three and a half miles. Yeah. That's slow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yet that's just as fast as I can, as I can, can make it. But for the races I do now, that's fast enough. You know, so, I look at your, at your cruel, your last cruel jewel that you did. You did cruel jewel this past May. And yes. to finish the cruel jewel 100 at any age is impressive. Cruel jewel 106. Yes. Exactly. We're not going to forget those six miles. <laughs> not forget that last six miles. <laughs> But that's... And I'm going back this year. I'm not, that's what this training is for right now uh, is to go back because that, that's that's my hard rock qualifier. <laughs> so. so you really want to get into hard rock. Basically, the end game, David, is you're going to get to hard rock at some point. Well, I got in, I don't remember when it was, 2013 or 2014, I think, in DNF. It was par- partly because... I probably didn't train enough. I didn't train the way I should have. I just never took the time to train properly. But my hydration drink, and I'm not going to mention any names, but I did not realize it worked fine in my training runs. It made me totally sick in runs. I'd get to a point I literally could not go 100 yards without sitting down. I'd be so dizzy. Really? And I couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. I kept dropping out. I dropped out of Leadville at mile 30. I didn't. I, ha- I made it all the way to, to uh, Twin Lakes. That's where we were staying. But that last eight or nine miles was horrible. Uh, dropped out of Hard Rock. 
I mean, it didn't drop out. I just, I, I missed a cutoff mm-hmm. uh, at um, Sherman. I th- yeah, Sherman yeah. Age section. And then I thought, well, I'm in condition. I'm going to do Pine to Palm. I had to drop out of Pine to Palm at mile 35. And then I went to do uh, Merrill's Mile, mm-hmm. which is the most miserable thing I've ever done in my life. And I've supposed to be the eighth year in a row I've done it. It's a, a one mile loop, totally exposed to the sun in Dahlonega, Georgia on July 4th weekend. And, uh, I was running that and I started getting sick and I thought I can't. And I looked at what I was drinking. And I said, I can't drink this. And I just, they had, I don't know, Gatorade or whatever was the drink they, that they had. And I started drinking that and literally, Within two laps, I was fine. Really? And that's when I realized it was the 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 drink I was using was the, I can't handle a high concentration of electrolytes, and I, I think their concentration is too high for me. Um, I have to really watch. I have to be really cautious to keep my electrolytes down, or I get sick. It's the only thing that's ever made me sick in races, and it's done it multiple times. Interesting. Um, that's amazing how your body, you know, just reacts differently. And thank God there's 9,000 different options for, uh, mm-hmm. for hydration drinks. You don't have to settle for something that makes you sick. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's not, it's not sick, like throwing up. It's sick like I can't walk straight. You know, I'm just, I'm dizzy. I'd have to sit down and, uh, you know, it's just, I guess it's the, uh, what did hyponatremia, yeah. kind of thing starting or something like that. And now I use base salt. I use I drink water and I use base salt because it's totally adjustable. Yeah. And I've gotten pretty good at judging if I'm taking too much or not enough salt. So uh that usually comes if I start getting cramps on the like, whoops, let's up the salt concentration right. here a little. <laughs> it makes sense. You know, because water honestly is the only thing that you can continue to drink and you don't get sick of it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It's a, the the flavor doesn't doesn't get you at mile you know seventy or whatever. Um, I will say the last thing is as far as your age is concerned, your age group, you are ranked in the ninety third percentile uh, on ultra sign up in your age group, David. So you're you're in pretty pretty good company. Well, I didn't know you says I'm in like seventy or sixty percent. <laughs> we don't look at that number. We look at the age group number, and in the age group number, okay, I, I have not done that. <laughs> I, I don't ever look at that. So you're uh, killing it. You're killing yeah, it, David. I, it's just I want to keep. I'll keep doing it as long as my legs will keep carrying me. I guess. Yeah. Uh, no reason to stop anytime soon. David, what made you decide to get into race directing and putting on races? We we did I did a ride, bike ride called Ride of Love. That's a fundraiser for a, a camp for kids with cancer called Smile a Mile. Mm-hmm. Back I don't know when was that, two thousand five or six, uh something like that. And it's very difficult to do it because of the logistics I, I worked, I had a, owned a dental lab for 35 years and worked absurd hours. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, a 12 hour day, that's a short day. And you had to get to Tuscaloosa. You rode your bike 150 miles to camp smile a mile on Lake Martin, actually right down the road from where we do our Lake Martin 100. Yeah. And in fact, at the children's Harbor is 
was created by the Russell family of Russell Athletics that owns all that property. And uh, Smile a Mile is just, I mean, it teaches, they say, to help kids with life after cancer, which, you know, there is no such thing because you're never, you've had cancer. I know you never, I've never had cancer, but I know you never feel like it's over. Yeah. You know, it's always there, but it helps you to live with it. And we knew several people that had kids with leukemia that had gone through Smile a Mile, and they thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And so we did this ride. Seventy-something of us raised almost $100,000 for Smile a Mile. But because it's so difficult to do, and my time was so limited then, I couldn't do the ride again. And we... um, I, I thought about it. I thought, let's, I told Mary Jo, let's do a run for Camp Smile a Mile. And we have this neat little park called Veterans Park uh, over by uh, Spain Park High School in Hoover. And it's just, a, it's a, it's where they have a lot of the cross country meets for the mm-hmm. 5K. It's a 5K course. And so we thought, let's just do the race out here. And so we did. And it was a lot of fun. We didn't make any money, but it was a lot of fun <laughs> to get together. And we met some true ultra runners that I didn't know there were. And I didn't know there was anybody else but me that ran crazy stuff. That was <laughs> 2011. And we did it the next year. And then I went to do uh, the Chattanooga stage race mm-hmm. that Randy Horton puts on and or did put on i don't know if he still does or not but uh barry joe went with me and we had a great time we love chattanooga anyway and barry joe's or driving home said we should do a race like that in birmingham and we got to talk about it well we've got stuff that we put on the run for kids let's do it so we that race was in may i think then september we had a a three-day, three-mountain Birmingham stage race, <laughs> and uh, which we don't do anymore because it, we never had enough people. That, it's the hardest race we did. It, it was harder to put together than Lake Martin. And because of the three different locations in three consecutive days, trying to do it by ourselves. Yeah. And so we finally dropped that one. But that kind of started it. And then after that, we thought, well, we're doing this. We should do a series. <laughs> yeah. So we, we decided to do a, a series as a training program, starting with a three and a six mile, then the run for kids, which was at that point a 10K, 50K, and 12 hour. We've since dropped the 50K because that's kind of irrelevant. Uh, then we have a six and a 12 mile, a nine and an 18 mile, a 20, 10 and 20 mile, and then the Blood Rock race which is a 25k and a 50k and then we added the 100 mile and 50 mile to that so and somewhere in there my we went to have dinner at a place called the spring house which is at russell crossroads back down on lake martins this really neat was really neat because the chef was amazing and oh, Mary just said, don't mention that. Uh, <laughs> the, the chef now has a restaurant and bur- moved to Birmingham and is awesome. But uh, anyway, we were sitting up there and I'm watching all these horse trailers go down to these stables that were back down the hill. And we thought, you know, if all those horse trailers are coming in here, there must be a bunch of horse 
trails. Yeah. And so we went over to the information center and asked about it. And they said, oh, yeah, there's like 70 or 80 miles of trails out here. And instantly I'm thinking, 100-mile race. (laughs) (laughs) And it turned out that we indirectly knew the man, uh, Robert Gunn, that's over that's the events coordinator on Russell lands. And he also just happens to put on a race himself called the Russell forest trail run, which isn't really a trail run. It's on their own gravel roads. It's a 5k and a 10k. That's a fundraiser for the Alexander city schools. And uh, so Robert thought it was a great idea. <laughs> and so that's where, where Lake Martin came from. And they just, you know, just kind of, kind of, happened i mean it wasn't planned we never intended this to be a a business and i mean i still am bad about i tell people i'm retired and they ask what i do it but mary joe says we are not (laughs) (laughs) but i make the point that no what i did before was work this is fun you know even though yeah our endless mile which is 48 hours uh, which is, and I, I don't ask me where that one came from. It just came up, but we do a, a timed event that this year is going to be 72 hours. <laughs> you know, you kind of long about two o'clock in the morning on that second night, you're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> Cause we, we time our races too, but fortunately we have lots of great volunteers that, that help and our, our timing system it, it keeps, you know, it keeps it up with everybody. So we don't have to watch 24 hours a day. But, right. Uh, um, you know, there's an old saying, David, behind every great man is an even greater woman. And I think you might be proving that's that. That's the truth. <laughs> I think it's, the, I, it's, I love hearing Mary Jo correct you, remind you to say certain things and then tell you not to say certain things. Well, I mean, she's, we actually met at a race at Oak Mountain State Park. Really? And I was doing, I was doing my, like my, I wanted to do a 10 mile tempo run for the uh, Pensacola Blue Angel Marathon, mm-hmm. which I was running in about th- two weeks after that. And Mary Jo was out there running the, what were you in the five, five K, 10 K. No, it was a 5K because I convinced you to go do the Thanksgiving. And and that's where we met. And so she understands the insanity. My cat doesn't. She's up here here picking at me. She hates cell phones. But anyway, (laughs) but that, that we actually met at a race. And so, you know, she, she's the perfect partner. It was love at but, first mile. She puts it all together. I mean, she's all I do. I mark the trails and I time them. Mary Jo puts the race together. That is not true. That we would have if I did the races by myself, we'd have five people running them. (laughs) (laughs) David, what is some what do you love most about race directing? The people. Definitely. Plain and simple. The people. Trail runners are the most 
to me, the most amazing people that I've ever met, all mm -hmm. of them. I mean, there's everything from people that are incredible athletes to people that you don't know how they get around the course. And, but they all work so hard, try so hard. They're the nicest people. They, anytime you need anything, they're right there to help. They volunteer. Um, they're just neat. They're, I don't know any other way to put it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, I mean, our favorite people, we wouldn't even know if it weren't for the trail races. You know, we, we'd know a bunch of old people like us. <laughs> <laughs> so, as it is, we know all these incredible young people, and uh, which they're all young compared to, well, no, we've got, we've got a few that are up around our age, but the rest of them, you know, and it's just, it, it just makes it fun. And it's fun to watch them, uh, to watch. We're seeing now generations that started uh, back 10 years ago. They had little kids that would come out. We had like five and six and seven year olds running some of our shorter races. Yeah. Well, now those five and six and seven year olds are running college cross yeah. country. Yeah. And uh, Larkin Waters, uh, who's he's still in high school now but he's going to college, he's going to college this year yeah. last year he was the youngest i think it was last year on Oprah sign up he was the youngest kid to win outright win an ultra really it was very, it blood rock he won the 50 I think, 50k I, I think i hope i hope i'm getting <laughs> anyway <laughs> you know mary joel fact check you in the, the background yeah, for the time he was 14, he didn't run for the 14 age group. He ran to win. <laughs> wow. So, so we have quite a few of those. That's amazing. And, That's got to be fun to see kids grow up in your races and see families bring their kids out and to see them try the sport. And I'm sure, too, as a race director, you see things that people may miss because you know, the, the finish line at an ultra can be a party in the shorter ones, but in those longer ones in Lake Martin and, and, and the blood rock 100, there's times when it's just you. It, well, it's just you and Mary Jo. I know Mary Jo is going to be around you some point. Um, but you get to, you get to experience someone complete and com and compete in something that maybe they thought they would never be able to finish. And I'm sure you have seen things at a finish line, that are just incredible. Oh, absolutely. That's just, especially in the hundreds. I mean, and one of our favorite races is literally our endless mile mm -hmm. because unlike Lake Martin, Blood Rock, any of the others, you only see a minute or two here. They're gone for two hours. You see them maybe a little bit later or they're gone for eight hours or whatever. Um, Endless Mile is a 1.00203 mile loop. And so every few minutes, they come right back through. And you see people going from just doing great, feeling great, running fast. You'll walk in the aid station, and they're literally laying on the ground, passed out. <laughs> and then an hour later, they're out flying again. You know, it's just, you see the ups and the downs. Um because it is a timed event, we have people finishing hundreds that never 
as you said, never imagined they could could finish a hundred miles. And that's been ever since we started that race. It's just it's so exciting to watch the people come out that do that. We have this one family that has all their kids come come down. And last year, their daughter, who was 14, won the 50 mile outright with some. She was doing the 24 hour and I don't remember what she I don't remember how she won the 24 hour. But I mean, she's running against some pretty good runners, and this girl's like 14, <laughs> and she beat everybody. Wow! Going and just she's the whole family goes. They're all out there running, and they they work. They have their pace figured out, and they they follow it, and, and they do some amazing things. And that, that's all. They hold state. They all hold state records. That's amazing. <laughs> that is so cool. What about the yeah. other side of your life? David, how do you keep running fun and how do you just keep continuing to just be able to do it? I don't run much. <laughs> I'm serious. If you look at my, I don't know if you saw the, the, I did a blog post about my training for Moab. Yeah. Um, and I, I listed all my training runs. And I run one, basically once about five or every five or six days, a very long, very hard run. Um, and then as I get close to the race, I'll do two back-to-back runs on two different on two days, uh, once a week. And I, and I guess I do that because that's all I've ever had time. To, I never had time to run like normal people. Yeah, and I think that's part of why i mean yeah my knees get sore sometimes and my feet get sore but i've never had other than i've only had one injury in my entire running life that's a real injury and that was one year at penhody i had on a pair of old hokas that i thought i would run in because they were so comfortable yeah i got off the bus slipped down on wet grass and sprained my knee before the start. Oh God. <laughs> and, uh, I'm serious. I, I kept trying to run on it and it really hurt. And I, so I, th- I told Todd, okay, I'm going to see if I can run. And, but if not, I guess you've got to volunteer for the rest of the day. And, uh, I literally made it a hundred yards and turned around and came back. I could not run. And so I, I said, well, what do you need me to do? And, Within 30 minutes, my knee was swollen up so bad. <laughs> it's bad English, but yeah. uh, and, and so sore. Every time I take a step, my whole leg would cramp. <laughs> so I called Mary Jo, drove all the way from Birmingham out to the start of Penhody, picked me up and hauled me back. And uh, that, so that's, that was my only running injury. <laughs> Which I don't know if that really counts as a running injury because it was just, you know, wet grass slick old Wet shoes grass. you know it was a grass injury yep well okay <laughs> it, was, it was getting off the bus injury but uh, but do you it, but but david do you do anything the rest of the week i mean are you going to the gym or anything or going for walks or is it well just- now i do mary joe actually when we met she was a fitness trainer at a place in birmingham or right after we met she started doing that so she 
kind of drags me to the gym. <laughs> and when we have time, I try to go once a week. Uh, but like during Lake Martin, forget it. I mean, I'm through. We're I've got we've got a race this week, and we're doing a, a charity run. One of our runners was diagnosed with a- ALS last year. Oh, yeah. and we're doing a run Saturday to raise money for him, and we're almost up to ten thousand dollars, which is amazing for a new race. But everybody knew him his name's brian boatman everybody in town that runs trails knows brian likes him and it's just it's just killed everybody and he was at blood rock and he had to walk with a crutch he's one of the strongest people i mean a, a cane yeah one of the strongest people i know and it's just heartbreaking and so everybody's supporting him and making the donations we have several thousand dollars so that's donations and uh, so anyway, we're we're doing that this week and then next week's Lake Martin. And so there's not going to be any gym workout for about the next three weeks because <laughs> I'll be I'll be lifting crates and boxes and, you know, all, all that stuff for well, my workout. When this podcast is, is, is first released, it'll be a week of, you know, you'll be basically getting ready for that. You'll be at the starting line of Lake Martin getting ready to send people on their way. So you'll yeah. be working hard. When are you going to call it quits, David? When are you going to say, you know what? Someone else can take care of all of this. I'm going to retire, retire. <laughs> We've talked about that, but it's like, what will we do? <laughs> I mean, that's it. running. The, the races are so much a part of our life. We would, I mean, we'd have nothing to do. We don't watch TV. <laughs> I guess we could start watching soap operas or something. <laughs> I take that back. We watch Yellowstone, but uh, other than that, uh, and and we've we've actually had three different people that have mentioned like, well, what are y'all going to do? You know, implying that in asking, it's about a couple that they want to buy it, but. I don't, I, we don't want to sell. No. And I know we've got to, you know, we can't keep doing this much longer, but um, at right this now, point, yeah, we don't even, we really don't even want to think about it right now. It's just, we enjoy it too much and we can still do it. Uh, I kind of feel like from my personal side that when I can't run races anymore, then yeah, I've got, we've got to get rid of it because I feel like I won't be, I feel like people won't take us seriously, you know, when you can't do this. So I feel like I need to keep, that gives me a little incentive to keep going. <laughs> Cause I don't, I don't like, I literally, we don't want to stop. We we've talked about this on a number of occasions, uh, but uh, we'll, as long as we can keep going and people keep coming to the races, I guess we'll keep doing it. <laughs> Where can people go, David, to check out all your races? What's what's the website? Uh, Southeastern Trail Runs is the is the website that mm-hmm. has the, everything's under that. I try to keep it updated, but we have too many races. <laughs> I, I'm really bad. I'll start. I'll go. Somebody will say your website has three different times or something <laughs> or three different dates because I'm going through updating, you know, 25 or 30 pages of, of 
events and I, and I'll get, I've also found out from time to time, I'll have ultra sign up information saying one thing, but the website says something else. So I try to, I try to watch that, but I always, you know, there's just, it's hard to keep it all everything exactly right so listen folks david and mary joe they're busy they're not sitting around just watching yellowstone all day they're putting races yep. together and they're out running they're at the gym they're very busy folks cut them some slack so, <laughs> uh, if we do read a little that, See, uh, yeah so you, you gotta get a little read time in there david this has been an absolute treat thank you for for spending an well, hour with me and sharing some of your thank, story. Thank you. I, I enjoy it. It's good to talk to you. Come down and run a race. I, you know, I'm looking for it. I was looking online at the endless mile. That seems like that could be a winner. 72, 72 hours this year. Uh, can I do the 24 hour? Do I have to sign up for a 72 hour? <laughs> well, that was, you know, Ed Ettenhausen. Yes. You say his the name. Jester. Ed yeah. Sent me an email and said, you know, that 72 hours is now an official distance. Have you thought about, and I'm like, yep, I'd actually <laughs> like to do a six day, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> six days yeah. on a one point something mile loop. That is, that could be the definition of crazy. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, I tell you what, it's, it's amazing to watch Ed. Oh yeah. That guy. And what He's 50. He's, is he 60 now? He's a young kid compared to you. He's just a young ah. kid. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. He's, I think that's what he's at. Yeah. 24 hours and 184 or six miles. Mm -hmm. I mean, 48 hours. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He's no joke. He just, he's, he's amazing. He, he's fun to watch. So we'll come down and do that. Just let me know. You'll, we'll get, get it. You set up. Sounds good. Thank you so much, David and Mary Joe. We never got a chance to talk, but thank you so much for, for being in the background. Thank you too. We enjoyed it. <laughs> right, right. Thank you. Yeah. You can find all of David and Mary Joe's races southeasterntrailruns.com. Southeasterntrailruns.com. They've got plenty. Um, but don't be crazy on the on the updating. They'll get around to updating the website when they're not reading a book, watching Yellowstone, running, or doing the incredible things that they do. Thank you so much for listening to The Adventure Jogger. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. If you're still running, enjoy those last couple of miles. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode.